Tuesday, November 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Molly Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for braving the rain. My least favorite weather, cold rain. There was barely any rain. Did you consider that bravery to walk through a couple drops? Or did you walk or drive? I drove. You drove like four <laughs> blocks in. To be clear, spitting occasionally spitting rain. To be clear, I was attributing the bravery to you and your <laughs> genteel soul. Uh, we got some earnings news. We're going to get to. Um, why don't we start with Tiffany? Tiffany. I'm not saying standing ovation, but a round of applause for Tiffany for posting its first sales increase in two years. Third quarter profits came in much higher than expected, and uh, shares responding nicely. Yeah, I, I think that uh, after all the, the beatings that uh, the stock has taken, and this is following on, I think, uh, U.S. sales down 9% the previous Quarter now uh, has improved to just down two percent on a comp basis, so moving in the right way, uh, right direction maybe. Uh, although I think the cloud on the horizon here was the um, effect that uh, all of the protests in New York around uh, Trump uh, Tower are having on the flagship, uh, which is eight percent of of Tiffany Global sales, the New York flagship, and. Um, not everybody wants to walk through the protesters to get to uh, buy a diamond ring right now. Kudos to whoever does the wordsmithing at Tiffany, because I thought this was incredibly artful. Because as you said, the flagship store for Tiffany is right there on Fifth Avenue in New York City. <laughs> right next door is Trump Tower. Um, uh, here's how the company put it. The company said there, and I'm quoting here, some adverse effect on traffic. Uh, due to the impact of recent election-related activity, that's about as <laughs> that's about as uh, soft shoeing as you can do, referring to uh, Trump Tower being right next door. Yeah, and whereas companies bring out excuses at times um, about the weather, and you can scoff at it, this one seems pretty. Oh, this pretty, is le- this is totally this legit. Is pretty accurate. Pretty. You don't even have to think about it. I go, yeah, that's obviously going to affect. Sales and it's affecting it at the wrong time. One assumes that the protests are not going to go away during the holiday season, and the uh, in, uh, dollar has uh, gotten a lot stronger since the election, and so foreign travel is already affected. And for Tiffany, that's not great news uh, for the foreign clientele, uh, Europeans, Asians uh, coming to New York for the holidays. Perhaps uh, doing less of that right now, and if they are doing it, uh, less likely to be spending as much money. And if they are doing that, less likely to be doing it at Tiffany. All that said, stocks up four percent today because the quarter was better than expected. They had good sales in China. They had good sales in Japan. I I think the and it seems odd to say it, um, but but you know as you said about the weather, like. It's absolutely true. I think the X factor for this business is, or maybe the biggest X factor for this business, is how much time is the president-elect going to spend at Trump Tower once he becomes president? More than Tiffany would like. 
you're saying if it's like if it's a couple anything days anything above zero i think is tiffany would would prefer yeah how, how about you just live in the white house one imagines the conversation perhaps between tiffany and Trump. i don't know that they're white house very nice place a lot of people have enjoyed living there I, th- you know, that's true. Although, give it a try. If you think about the traditional retreat that is available to whoever occupies the Oval Office, and that is Camp David, I don't know that uh, when he's president, I don't know that Donald Trump is going to be spending a lot of time at Camp David. Although I think they have golf there. I'm pretty sure they have golf there. Yeah, he's got places to play golf. That's true. Uh, I I don't know, but apparently, regardless of what Tiffany wants, he's going to spend time, uh, and and if. Not he himself, his family, um, which for the purposes of the protesters probably amounts to roughly the same thing. And I think that uh, sales are likely to continue being impacted for the foreseeable future uh, on, on that one store. So, right, there is the rest of the world. There, there is the other 92% of the business. Say, there's the other 92%. And, okay, of that other 92%, again, it's going to have uh, some effects that it's seeing from the strong dollar, um, you know, on the, on the constant foreign exchange uh, basis. I think uh, global sales were down 3%. Um, but slightly better times for Tiffany after a few uh, weak quarters. And of course, if, if massive uh, tax uh, changes are made that uh, affect uh, the high income earners, as is uh, stated, is one of um, this administration's desires, uh, that, that could be quite helpful to Tiffany as well. This morning at an investor conference, uh, executives from United Health shared some updated guidance for 2017. And uh, as a result of that more optimistic guidance, shares of United Health are up another three, four percent this morning. This was increased guidance. This wasn't dramatically increased guidance, though, was it? Well, I think that uh, it was about you know the the range that they are giving for next year is earning nine dollars and thirty to nine dollars and sixty cents. Uh, per share, this is up from 915, uh, which was the previous expectation. Uh, divide that by 10 so that it is a little easier to compare to normal um, stocks which aren't making nine, ten dollars a share. Say they they were talking about midpoint of making 94 cents a share versus 91 cents expected. That's just uh, making the division by 10. So three, four percent better than you thought yesterday. Stocks up three percent. You know the math isn't uh, too confusing right now on that. So what they did is they're at this conference, but they're doing their investor day tomorrow, and they'll break out for analysts and uh, other invitees. Uh, the the whole you know five hour long presentation of here's what's uh, going on. Here's our you know one year five year plan, and so they're they're sort of getting the information out today. Uh, in front of tomorrow's more thorough presentation to to everybody, how helpful are those events to a working analyst like you? When you hear Company X, a company that you cover, is having an investor day, is that helpful to you, or is it like is it like any other form of communication from a public company? In that some are better at it than others, some are more helpful and more transparent than others. Yeah, the latter. I think there's there's not a standard format uh, for them. Not everybody gives them, and 
uh, you know, a lot of the time, even just the headline stuff like today is here's the bottom line, the bottom, everything you really need to know at a certain level for the market's purposes is being disclosed today. Here's the bottom line of what we expect tomorrow be all the details. And certainly if you've got a lot of money invested in the company, uh, through any vehicle that you're managing a mutual fund or some other type of account as professional, uh, you know, money managers, are looking at. I, I think that these are are very valuable. Uh, they're like a quarterly conference call, you know, times four. Uh, you get the whole presentation. It's a little bit better. Okay, you you also see these things at investor conferences. Usually, there's a twenty to thirty minute PowerPoint presentation, maybe a couple questions from the audience. So this is that times times three times four. You'll have various division heads enough time for. You know the CFO to give a presentation, the CEO to give a presentation, maybe uh, you know the director of, of, of research. You know if it's a um, medical company, not really the case here for United Health. Um, but you know it, it's also the fact that where are these numbers coming from, uh, the insurers in general have responded well post-election. It looks like the unlike the hospital stocks, unlike the hospital stocks, unlike the uh, pharmacy benefit managers, uh, what has responded well is the insurers. Uh, they're hoping for less regulation, and I, I think also the biotechs hoping for less regulation, um, and that may be coming. I think less regulation is one of the things on this administration's agenda. Well, and also talk of uh, increasing the budget at the FDA, speeding up the approval process, presumably not just for uh, you know pharmaceuticals, but uh, presumably also for uh, devices as well. I saw a headline this morning that a couple of the medical device makers were were up a little bit on the news that uh, Congressman Price from Georgia was, um, I think, going to be the of yeah, the medical device makers have had a pretty good argument, certainly from their perspective, that the tax on medical devices, uh, which is part of the Affordable Care Act, is harmful to their business and helps foreign businesses. And so, uh, I think that is one of the parts. the The notion that the the whole Affordable Care Act is just going to be repealed. Um, it strikes me as unlikely. Uh, it, it's a little too messy to do that. Uh, but the the tax on medical devices is pretty uh, easy pickings, I think, um, in terms of, of repealing that. There there was a fair amount of consensus to do that anyway, and you know the previous state of politics prevented anything from getting done. Nobody was going to give anybody credit for doing anything that both sides wanted to get done, so it never happened. Well, fortunately, all that will change in January. I exactly. <laughs> Everybody's friends now. Uh, you know what people apparently have been buying a lot of? Recreational vehicles. First quarter sales and profits for Thora Industries came in much higher than expected, and shares are up around 14% today. This, this stock has had a monster year. Incredible year. How many um, RVs did you buy last quarter? I did not actually buy any. See, you were the one. Right. You were the person who didn't buy a couple of RVs. I don't know that a, a recreational vehicle would fit down my street, actually. Now that well, I, you need to move then. Yeah, everybody else has got an RV, but you. Yeah, and the other people on your street, perhaps. Yeah, 
Um, and you better move fast because the demand the demand's uh, crazy. Uh, so let's see. Thor's numbers were ballpark uh, sales up like sixty percent uh, for the year. Now a big chunk of that is an acquisition. They acquired one of the major brands, um, Jayco, one of the major manufacturers. And so this was the first uh, full quarter with Jayco uh, all in their numbers, Thor's numbers. Um, the acquisition um, sent Thor back into the number one spot uh, as a global manufacturer of RVs, uh, Forest River being number two now. Uh, that's owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, but the acquisition of Jayco, which was very significant, about 65% growth in revenues for the quarter of the last year. And uh, that was uh, sort of low 20% uh, organic growth. So even without the acquisition, growth phenomenal in the RV sector. And why is that? We've talked about this on the show before. A combination of low gas prices, low interest rates so people can finance uh, this this purchase, uh, and a strong job market. And it just continues. Now, interest rates are moving up a little bit, but they're still very low by historical standards. Well, and apparently, they're going to follow up this year with another strong year in 2017, because Bob Martin, the CEO, was pretty optimistic in his comments about what they expect in 2017, saying he thinks it's going to be one of the strongest years going back to the 1970s in terms of vehicle deliveries. Right. And so, the 1970s were the peak for uh, not dollar sales, but uh, unit sales of RVs. And you've got a lot of things that are much bigger now, uh, much more advanced, they're much more expensive, in, as everything is, than it was in the 1970s. So, the, the industry has grown, but the, the sort of total units sold has not uh, since back then, and took a big hit, of course, in uh, 08, 09, along with just about everything else. But uh, we're back to uh, above the 06 level in you know 1970s is is the records we'll see uh, they they just had um, sort of the rollout of the new models to dealers um, within the last couple of months and apparently they were received very well the industry is growing at, at similar rates of in RVs you've got essentially two you've got the towables. And for Thor, they grew towables at about 22% for the quarter. That was the same as, as the industry. And then uh, the actual uh, larger um, motorized vehicles. So they're kind of like buses, and you know, you're not towing the RV, but driving the whole thing. And that was up 30 some percent, 32%, I think, which is much faster than the industry is growing. So, wow, great quarter. Uh, stocks up. More than seventy percent for the year. Good times. Good times in Elkhart, Indiana, which is home of the RV. Industry. That's ground zero for for the RV industry. It is, and some of the suppliers, Drew and Patrick Industries, have had similarly phenomenal years. The whole town is aglow. They're having a merry Christmas um, <laughs> and a happy Thanksgiving in in Elkhart. You mentioned what the stock has done year to date. Is this an expensive stock? So it's a cyclical industry, and it, it the growth does not go straight up, but it's it's trading. Uh, I think at about sixteen times next year's expected earnings, which is not a very expensive 
stock, you know, if those earnings come in as expected, and you know that's a little bit less than than the market multiple for stocks uh, at the moment. I don't know. I, I I've been wanting. You know, it's up seventy percent. Uh, it has not necessarily grown. It it we just said it, it's grown revenues by sixty five percent, but a lot of that's because of the acquisition. Uh, it it is not not that expensive. I don't think. So this is I I should disclose this is the top holding of the mutual fund, uh, the Great America Fund that we run. Uh, it's nice when your top holding, which is five uh, percent of the fund, basically, is up thirteen percent. So uh, Drew, you get to, after we finish this taping, you get to just take off the rest of it. <laughs> well, and Drew, which is a, a major supplier, they supply awnings and doors and slide outs and. Um, other parts of, of the vehicle and Thor uh, assembles more than manufacturers assembles the parts. Uh, Drew is our second biggest holding, and you know, in sympathy to Thor, that's up about three percent. And Drew is also up seventy percent for the year. Unfortunately, we don't own uh, Patrick, which is really doing uh, sort of the sort of some of the furniture and interior stuff uh, as a, as a part supplier, and that's also having a great year. And they're all. As I say, all in Elkhart, and Elkhart is um, taking another victory lap today. Nice. Can we talk about the name and specifically the logo? Because for a name as great as Thor Industries, it is the most. I just went to thorindustries.com. It is the most pedestrian logo. It looks like a logo. Here's how boring the logo is. It looks like I could have designed it. Well, that, that's how boring it is. It's just a name. It's not named after the Norse god. And what I'm saying is, so here's where the name comes from. <laughs> okay, uh, the 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 guys who founded the company, and one of their last names is, is Thompson, and the other is Orthwine. So they took the th and the or from the beginnings of their names to Thor. That sounds awesome. You, you, so they're really not invoking. You think your you know either the traditional Norse god or uh, you know Marvel's character. Uh, they're they're really um, sort of in their own way downplaying uh, themselves. You think when they came up with that name, at no point, neither one of them or anyone else who was in the room at that time said, "Oh, like the superhero," because I'm pretty sure someone did. And I'm saying it's it's an opportunity just sitting on the table, waiting for them to take advantage. A cross promotional deal with Disney. Come on, this is a no-brainer. I just I don't think that this is a company which owes any apologies to its investors for failing to go more Disney-esque. I'm saying that we've talked before about Harley Davidson and you've made the point that one of the challenges Harley Davidson faces is um, the age of its customer. Older customers buy Harley Davidsons. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and assume that the average age of someone who's buying an RV from Thor Industries is older. We're not talking millennials, and I'm saying you could appeal to younger people. I'm not saying you go full makeover on the brand. I'm saying just a little bit here and there, targeted, get the kids interested. And again, a cross-promotional deal with, with Disney, it's like, hey, if you roll up to Disney World or Disneyland in your brand new RV that you bought from Thor Industries, you get a little discount. I, I suppose they could try something like that. Uh, I just the cross promotion between <laughs> Thor and going out camping, it's it's a tough line to draw. But Thor, 
the sewer, he he can handle himself outdoors. I mean, the the magic hammer. Helps. He is the god of thunder. Right. So I mean, you again, that's not something you want with your RV. You you're looking. You you don't want the thunder god. You know, you don't want to invoke that, do you? I'm saying he's gonna he's gonna protect you from the elements, much like the fabulous vehicles that they produce at Thor Industries. All right, this is something for them to consider and probably ignore. <laughs> like is, is my my, as, my as, prediction. As any remaining <laughs> listeners have surely done the same. Uh, two housekeeping notes before we wrap up. Uh, first, uh, we've mentioned uh, before on this podcast uh, the flash briefing that uh, we've been producing for the Amazon Echo. If you've got an Amazon Echo, you can you can get a daily uh, flash briefing news update from the Motley Fool. And now I'm happy to announce. You can also get the brand new skill from the Motley Fool, um, which you can just get for free. You get stock quotes. You can create a watch list. You can ask Alexa how your portfolio is doing. You can build a watch list. You can build a portfolio, add and and subtract uh, subtract stocks from it. Uh, all the details at fool.com/alexa. I'll include the URL in the description of the podcast, but um, but yeah, brand new skill we've been working on, and uh, very excited. To, uh, already, you know, a whole bunch of people have downloaded this, and we're getting good feedback. So so check it out. Do you have an, an Echo in your home? I do not. Okay. Should I be asking one for one for Christmas? I, I think they're on sale. So yeah, I think you should. I can do this with it. What what else would I? Do? What are the top uses of it? Um, I th- so anecdotally, do you people, have one? I don't have one, um, and I might be putting one on my list. But I've I've talking to people uh, at the office what they use it for. Um, they use it for news. They use it for streaming music. Um, apparently, it's helpful in the kitchen. You can ask Alexa questions about um, you know measuring and and you know recipe things and all that sort of thing. Yeah, you can also uh, have Alexa keep a grocery list for you. So, and now. Check out the Motley Fool stock skill at fool.com/alexa. Uh, last housekeeping note: as I mentioned yesterday, tonight, eight o'clock on CBS, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Programming note: and if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I apologize in advance because, as I said yesterday, this is the one thing a year I live tweet. So you're, is this going to be like one of those tweet storms? For one hour, yes. It'll be, it'll <laughs> just be me just tweeting about. What is my favorite holiday special? And what do, what do you see as being this year's? Um, I don't know. This year's focus. You're not going to go after Clarice again, are you? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Clarice is is not my favorite character, but she's certainly not the most. Uh, there are so there, there are other characters who are far worse than Clarice. I think. Really, yeah. I thought it was really Clarice that you had something out for. I'm not crazy about Clarice, but like um, Rudolph's dad is just terrible. Rudolph's dad. He's like he's like the great Santini. Santa. He's like he's like something out of a Pat Conroy novel. Uh, you know, he at least there is some some fatherly love there. I I think in his defense, right, he appreciates how bigoted the world he has brought Rudolph into is going to be, right? It's it's not like his, uh, you know, horror at his child is is the the source of all this. His knowledge that. In Christmas Land, everybody is so um, willing to taunt and humiliate those that are a little bit different. Right. Um, and if you're he, different, get out. It, yeah. So he's trying to prepare his child to avoid that, and you know, maybe not the bravest thing, but 
uh, really, Santa sort of sets the um, the stage, and and everybody just follows Santa's lead. And as I recall, Santa tells Donner he should be ashamed of himself. Right, <laughs> you should be ashamed that your child is different. Yeah. Um, here's a little nugget I learned today, uh, because of course I was on the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer IMDb page. Uh, Yukon Cornelius, one of the great characters, yes. is voiced by um, a character actor now deceased by the name of Larry Mann. Spells it the same way our, our friend Bill Mann spells it. Uh, Larry Mann had uh, supporting small supporting roles in two of the all-time great films, The Sting and In the Heat of the Night. And by the way, both of those are movies that if I'm channel flipping and I come across either, we, we settle in because we're not going anywhere Sting's, for a while. I, not on that often. Not that often. Not all that the often. More, all the more reason to watch it when you, and, when you come across and it. And the reason for that may be that unlike many movies that you just flip across, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll just check out this for like, I'll do this half hour. Sting, you got to watch that all the way through. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay attention. Totally worth it, though. Yeah. Have you made your kids watch it yet? No, no. But I here's what Are I. Are you have making to... your kids watch watch Rudolph tonight? Uh, I mean, making them is maybe an overstatement, but it's probably accurate. Yes. Where are they like they'll be waiting at home. Yeah. With your slippers, pipe, the whole thing. <laughs> no. Dad. Oh my God, Dad! No. It's Rudolph tonight, and they've made some popcorn and and poured you a, a drink or, or two, perhaps. No, no I think any I, of that. I, I think it'll be more like, do we have to? Okay, all right. Can we at least make popcorn? It'll be that. It'll be that. Can we can we be on our phones while we're watching this? Yeah, at least during the commercial breaks. Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. You can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from the Fool Funds team, so check it out. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.